Hey everybody, before you listen to the show, two quick things. I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Secondly, stop right now. If you haven't already, check out our free to access conveyance and service for mortgage brokers and estate agents. Mortgage brokers must check out our free to access services at the mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk including over 25 categories of mortgage broker tools. Stay well, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the MLC Show for Property Professionals. I am your host, Sean Rogers, and I am delighted to be joined on today's show by David Miles, founder of the PPC Machine. David, how are you? How has your 2020 been for you? Hi, Sean. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, 2020, for a year where nothing's happened, or you know, no one's gone anywhere, it's gone very quickly, I think. But um, yeah, overall, it's, it, I think it's been a good year uh, for me on the whole. Um, despite how it, how it maybe looked it like it was going to turn out in March, it turned out okay. God, I'm pleased to hear it. And tell us a bit about your career before you founded the PPC machine. Um, what 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 did you what were your career and your experiences up to that point? Well, I think career is a strong word, but basically, <laughs> I uh, um, I I started my uh, my career in IT consultancy, uh, doing sort of infrastructure projects for big companies like Shell and Diageo and those kind of people, um, and then. I sort of was getting getting fed up with doing all that. And my um, my IFA of the time uh, convinced me it'd be a really good idea to buy half his business uh, and go into business with him. So um, I, I ended up spending a couple of years uh, in financial services, never actually as a qualified broker or advisor, but uh, basically running the operational side of things and the marketing. And that's where I first learned through necessity, basically, how to market a business online. You know, this is early 2000s. The internet's just starting to become a widely adopted thing um so that's why i kind of learned all that and um then when i came out of that i moved into uh, well first of all into um into doing lead generation you know selling leads to financial services businesses uh and kind of then developed that into a more general uh, general purpose uh, digital marketing agency grew that over the years um and uh, went in with a couple of other guys to to expand it further and um about five or six years ago sold my share in that and since then, I've worked. Um, that's when I founded the PPC machine to be, you know, just me as a as a one man band consultant. Um, and I decided, obviously, because it's just me, I can't work with everyone. That I would I would niche into a particular area, and it kind of made sense that that area was financial services because that's where, you know, my digital marketing experiences started off. It's where I knew I could generate good results, uh, and obviously, I understand the industry a reasonable amount having having been immersed in it for those for those couple of years uh, i've also done a couple of non-exec director roles over the last few years as well including on the board of an insurance brokerage uh so yeah it all kind of tied together like that and what have you made of the property sector and the market in 2020 any surprises uh yeah a few surprises i, I mean i think um it's maybe naively it surprised me quite how much things ground to a halt um as a result of uh well not as a result of lockdown itself but once we came out of the initial lockdown and the property market reopened it surprised me how how that showed up so much inefficiency in the way that the lending process works the conveyancing process you know and the fact that um most small <coughs> excuse me most small businesses i know obviously have adapted quite well to suddenly working from home but those sort of larger organizations like lenders local councils whatever seem to have been really you know really hit by by actually not being in the same office and being able to talk to each other it's just slowed everything down massively so that was quite surprising um and i was quite surprised by the stamp duty holiday 
um, really as well. Um, and uh, and I'd be interested to see how that pans out over the next couple of months, as obviously everyone's panicking to get in before this uh, before this deadline that's been put there. Yeah, it's funny because of because of my background. Um, yeah, I have no surprises about the stamp duty holiday because I'm not sure. You know, look, I've I've only been under FCA regulation for a very short period of time, so I can't really comment on on that regulator and that kind of thing. But certainly from a government point of view, um, in legal services, I went through three, in like a couple of enormous changes, like not even like completely, not even business, like entire sector revolutionary changes, and they came in with literally very little notice at all. The wording being absolutely last minute um, with no one having a clue what was going on. And everyone with a brain was like, okay, they're going to have to do something here to make this, a, whether that be by a certain point in time, you're clear, you know, these kind of things. And, and it was just an absolute joke. So it's no surprise to me um, a little bit of the mess that, that has been created by them in that because for me it's dead easy you'd have just brought it in and said I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm by if these certain triggers happen for instance like exchange of contracts or something whatever it be by a certain day or whatever list of events you want if they're all done by hypothetically um, the last day of February or even you could go by the 31st of March we'll honour the stamp duty holiday um then everyone would know where they stand and it would take a little bit of pressure off everyone like you say as well you know because i've lived through them sort of things and, and other challenges it's interesting that obviously the small businesses are much more agile more dynamic able to react to them kind of things like you say it is it's it's interesting that as you know you could do an entire afternoon on this let alone a show but i think it's interesting that the bigger businesses you look at lenders you look at um solicitors in particular it's interesting they will not innovate or even keep up with other sectors or look at what other people are doing unless they're absolutely forced to and i have a ton of sympathy for them because a lot of them especially at board level they're only there for a short time so they're not that asked about what this looks like five years down the line as far as they're concerned they're out so they're just in a firefight and also the way they've been educated and all them kind of things. So it doesn't surprise me that they've struggled in the way that they've struggled. Because I, I yeah. know myself, I've, I've been in, you know, I've been David and I've been Goliath. Yeah. And it's yeah. a lot more fun, I think, being Goli uh, being David, to be fair. And you can move a lot more um, quicker and, and slicker. I think when you're Goliath, so to speak, the problem you get, I think, is a minute becomes an hour, an hour becomes a day, a day becomes a week, and you're just in firefighting mode completely, and you never take that step back to look at a blank piece of paper and go, right, actually, what would make a massive change to the business? So, you know, you know those kind of things, really. And then you never make the changes. Because yeah. all the things, like you said, I, I suppose you're alluding to, a lot of the things that have happened this year shouldn't have had an impact. Should they really? Uh, like, if you uh, think about big banks and big law firms, you think, well, why wouldn't you be digitally ready when the technology's there? Why wouldn't yeah. you be able to give people flexible working hours and work from home? We're in 2020, you know. So, yeah. Come, uh, I think the thing with it is, a lot of the time, 
a lot of the barriers with those kind of things have been people have just assumed it wouldn't work. You know, I mean, look at all the people who've been told for years, oh, no, you can't possibly work from home. You can't do your job without being in the office nine to five every day. And then suddenly, you know, when the brown stuff hits the fan, it's like, oh, actually, yeah, you can do your job at home perfectly well. And But without that catalyst of people being forced into it, no one would ever have would have had the foresight to even countenance trying it, you know. Has there, has there been any significant increase in clients looking for online solutions for a mortgage or remortgage? Um, well, obviously, my, I mean, my knowledge of this is kind of secondhand, because obviously I hear it from, from the brokers. But I mean, what the impression I'm getting from what I'm being told by, you know, by clients of mine and by other brokers that I talk to is, yeah, definitely, again, people who previously would have thought that you can't possibly apply for a mortgage or get mortgage advice without sitting down and eyeballing someone, obviously are now quite happy um, to do everything, to do everything remotely, not necessarily do the whole thing online, um, as in, you know, don't have any human involvement, but they're far happier to, um, you know, to do all the meetings with the broker over the phone or on Zoom or whatever. Um, I think that's that's changed the that's changed the unique selling point, I think, for quite a lot of mortgage brokers, because traditionally, I think a lot of them have sold themselves on the basis of, well, I'm your local broker, you know, so um, I, my USP is you can come and see me easily and blah, 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 blah. Well, of course, now, if people don't actually want to come and see you, well, they either don't want to because they don't want to catch something or, you know, they're or they're not that fussed because they've got used to not seeing people, then suddenly their unique selling point goes out the window. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that that has had an impact for quite a few people. And have you seen any significant changes during the course of the year to the cost of online advertising, specifically things like Google pay-per-click as an example? I mean, if you pretend that you don't know what that is and you're just having a you know a debate at lunchtime in a conference or something i think you could make a case for saying oh well i think the cost of the advertising could well have gone up because as you say people aren't able to go and see their um local mortgage broker they're not able to just walk in to see their local estate agents and so forth so they're going to go online which means more competition which means it's potentially going to cost more money on the other hand you know if um looking at the conveyancing logjam and everything else in the industry I could make a case for actually going cheaper, potentially, um, depending on where you view supply and demand. What have you seen over the course of the last 12 months? Is it steady? Has it increased? Has it decreased? From what I've seen, and it's, it's always difficult to judge these over, you know, a relatively short period like that, but I, I haven't seen significant changes. Um, you know, if I... I think if I were to look at, you know, the average cost per click that clients of mine were paying on Google ads, for example, you know, this time last year compared to now, it's there or thereabouts the same. And I think, I suppose that's the reason I guess it's tied in with what you're saying there is that at the end of the day, Google ads and all those other sort of PPC systems, it's an auction system. So, you know, the price is set ultimately through supply and demand and through what people are willing to bid. So, you know, the cost per click only goes up if the advertisers are pushing their bids up and up. So, you know, if they're not doing that because they're, they're busy enough as it is, uh, then, uh, then that means the prices aren't going to be pushed up. And I think, you know, the way to sum up the mortgage market, certainly in the last, uh, where are we now, the last sort of four or five months, since about July, August kind of time, is that there's actually no shortage of, of demand 
you know, brought on partly by the stamp duty holiday and I think partly by the pent up demand that was created when the market was shut for that period of time. So there's no shortage of demand. What there is, is the shortage of supply. Um, obviously, I know the lenders have got a bit better now, but, you know, if you think back a few months when if you wanted a mortgage from like HSBC or whatever, you, your broker had to be on the phone or on the laptop at eight in the morning in a queue. And if they didn't get it within half an hour, that was it till the next day. Um, you know, there's not a shortage there's a shortage of supply, not demand. So I think because of that, the the amounts people are bidding has not has not rushed up hugely, and therefore the costs have stayed fairly steady. And in your business, what's what's the most common problem or query that you have to solve when clients first um, contact you when they first start engaging you? Interesting, because obviously they come to me at different stages. Like some of them, you know, are just literally starting out. Um, either just starting out in the industry or have just taken that leap from working from someone else to to being self-employed. Um, others have been going a bit longer and they maybe you know tried out running some Google ads and it's not working. Um, but I think the thing they all have in common probably is they don't have a clear marketing message and they don't have a clear idea of exactly who they're targeting as you know, as potential clients and they don't have a clear idea what their value proposition is. And the thing I always end up saying to these guys, um, you know, mortgage brokers, I'm the same with financial advisors as well and insurance brokers. Yeah, at the end of the day, as a mortgage broker, I know obviously yeah, there's restricted panel and there's whole of market, but essentially you're all selling the same products from the same lenders. So, you know, I, I can get exactly the same mortgage from you, broker X, as I can from broker Y. So why should I choose one broker over the other? And if you ask most mortgage brokers that, they don't really have an answer um, other than sometimes the thing, you know, well, I'm the local guy to this area, but as we just talked about, that's that's becoming less significant. Um, so the, the, normally the first thing I have to do with the clients I work with is even if they want to start advertising on Google, for example, right away, I often find myself having to rein them back from that and saying, right, before you do that, we need to be very clear on exactly who you're targeting you know, what your niche is, don't try and sell any mortgage to anybody, you know, have a clear niche, because then that sets you out as a specialist, and gives you a differentiation straight away. You know, if you're the if you're the mortgage broker who specializes in mortgages for people who work in the NHS, for example, that immediately sets you apart from most of the other 40 odd thousand brokers out there. And, and also make sure you have a clear value proposition that states, you know, why you are the right broker to go to for that ideal target client um, and then once you're clear on that then you can do things like make sure that, that comes across clearly on your website and your landing pages and you can also then run your google ads or any other marketing far more effectively because you know exactly who it is you're trying to get to and and so you've got a clearer idea and also you know going back to what we said about costs of online advertising generally if you if you find a niche and go after a specific audience your cost per click on things like google will be lower than if you try and appear top of Google for a general term like you know mortgage broker or something like that. So uh, yeah, I think my biggest challenge normally is is helping them actually work out what they're trying to achieve and what their marketing message should be. Right, and then we move on to the mechanics of right, how do we find those people? And often how we find them is the easier bit than than working out what, you know who we want and what the offering is. And over the last couple of years, have you had to? change um strategy at all because i know a lot of this is about timing you know people who you know maybe you go back 15 years um people will be looking at 
email newsletters with incredibly high open rates. You then go through a time where Google pay per click, not many people would have been using it. So prices will be on the absolute floor for even the main sort of keyword search terms. And then over time, human behavior, where attention goes, all this kind of thing changes. In this particular sector, is it, has it been quite stable in terms of, you know, you're analyzing strategies and keeping up with um, the trends and, and consumer behavior, I suppose. Have there been changes that you've had to change strategy on or have things been fairly stable over the last couple of years and kind of what worked um, for you and your teams is still working now? Uh, are you talking about from the point of view of the strategy for, for the clients I'm helping or my strategy to, to market my business? Um, well, I suppose both really, but in the main for your clients. So for, for, for um, you know, financial services professionals, yeah. as an example, have I you think... seen changes in consumer behavior, which have meant you've had to change maybe whether it be um, the kind of keywords that you're using? Have you seen dramatic increases in certain keywords? So you've had to get more creative, if you like, or have you had to make changes to how you actually then convert the clients So the first bit of actually getting the click worked, but actually just consumer behavior meant you needed to change and give different advice? Have you seen any changes in that at all? Or are things fairly steady? Yeah, I think what I think the, the, the big changes are perhaps over a slightly longer period than just the last 12 months. But you mentioned email there, actually, and funny enough, email marketing actually is still really, really powerful. But I think there's there's stats from within the last year or so that show that for every pound you spend on email marketing, you get thirty two pounds something back. You know, so it still does work. But um, that fit that ties in with one of the things I have seen change. And if I go back to when when I was first doing yeah this kind of thing, advertising online for people wanting mortgages and stuff in in the two thousands, it you could be relatively basic with it you know you could you could advertise you could run the ad you could get the click and someone who came to your site would would basically fill in an inquiry form without you having to make too much effort um i think the thing that's changed over the years is people have become um far more far more savvy far more cautious about giving away their details they'll shop they'll look around more before they fill in an inquiry even something something free like you know fill in this form for free mortgage quotes they won't just do that um, you've got to actually sell yourself a lot more beforehand. Um, so one of the big things I've found has changed is it's increasingly important for for mortgage brokers and you know, and others, but mortgage brokers obviously who we're talking about to to start building relationships with people online before they go for the sale uh, or go for the consultation. And um, so increasingly, I find you know you need to be driving people to a website and not expecting them necessarily to make an inquiry straight away. But having something else they can do, um, you know, download some kind of free guide or something like that, which will get them onto a mailing list where you can then start nurturing them through email and building that relationship with them. So as at the point when they are then ready to do something, they automatically come back to you because they start to feel they've got to know you a bit already. And I suppose that's been accelerated a bit over the last 12 months because you know, their brokers are out and about less. They're not meeting people at face-to-face -face networking events and things. So the opportunities for that kind of nurture are happening less in the physical world. And so I think that's made it increasingly important that you have nurture systems in place, in, you know, in your online presence and don't expect, basically, I mean, there's a uh, there's a quote from someone that I've put uh, in the inside cover of, uh, of my book about mortgage lead generation, which says, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically says that instead of viewing lead generation as a one night stand, we need to view it as a long term relationship. 
And I think that's the shift that a lot of brokers are still struggling to get their head around. And tell us a bit about how you help, um, you know, you help financial services professionals, but mortgage brokers, how, how do you help them, David? What are, the, what are the, their needs that you meet? What I'm focused on is, is helping them to develop a predictable pipeline of new business or of new leads. Um, so as they get off that kind of feast and famine cycle and they can stop stressing about where their next client's coming from. And that involves, and I, I do that in two ways, either working one-to-one -one with clients, only a small number at a time because there's only, there's only me in the business. Um, but I also have a, a membership program that brokers can join where we do group coaching calls and there's lots of online resources to help them do all this stuff themselves. But the process is the same with both. It's, it's about, first of all, working getting your marketing fundamentals in place so i help them work out those things we just talked about like what area they're going to niche into what the value proposition is etc um then the other big thing that i end up doing although my specialism is in google ads there's quite a lot of stuff you have to do before you get to that point so those fundamentals are the first bit the second phase is normally around helping them create landing pages on their website which are actually going to convert visitors into leads because most mortgage brokers websites in common with most professional services websites are okay as kind of sales brochures that you might refer someone to after they've met you but they're not designed for turning cold traffic into into warm leads so i help them create those kind of um, pages um, there's a lot of psychology behind that about you know things you can do on a page to make it more persuasive and get people to take the action that you want them to take uh, i help them create those kind of downloadable guides and email nurture systems that we just talked about and then once all that's in place then I set up and run Google Ads campaigns for them. Sometimes we couple that with um, advertising on, on Bing as well, um, because that's uh, often an untapped source of, of, uh, of good quality traffic uh, or back it up with, um, with advertising on Facebook as well. So really, I, for the clients I'm working one-to-one -one with, I describe it as I am their outsourced digital marketing manager, basically. And I, I, I handle all that stuff, either obviously doing some bits of it myself and other bits I'm working with external suppliers to you know to project manage the whole thing and bring it together um, and of course for those who don't want to work one-to-one -one or can't afford to then then I provide all the same kind of support through the group coaching program so if, if, you know mortgage brokers listening to this or wanting to reach out what can what's the journey like what can they expect so you know they they however they want to contact you via social media website email whatever um, what can you advise them in terms of their expectations, both in terms of the practical journey from, you know, first engaging with you and what that, what those sort of conversations are like? And then yeah. also, what should their expectations be in terms of, um, you know, not just results, but in terms of what you think the relationship looks like in the short and long term? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say, there's no there's no requirement for any mortgage broker to give me any money to get advice from me initially um you know i have loads and loads of free resources on my website there's loads of um, articles on there around marketing a mortgage business there's lots of free guides people can download um, i've got a members only facebook group for mortgage brokers and financial advisors um, who want to improve their marketing and lead generation they can join that and i do fortnightly facebook lives in there where i do little, little training sessions on you know all the kinds of things we've just talked about um, so there's lots of ways that people can tap into all of that um, totally totally free of charge the website's the ppcmachine.co.uk the facebook group is uh, you can get to that just by going to mortgagebrokermarketing.co.uk um, 
And then obviously if they want to, to go further than that, then, you know, I would have a conversation with them and look at actually what they're doing now. And, and first of all, work out, you know, whether I think I can help them. I mean, in most cases I can, but the, I'm, I'm at the stage of my, of my business life where I'm very definite that I only want to take on projects where I know I can make a difference and be successful. Um, so, you know, that's, and yeah, I only take on those and the results, you know, from previous ones kind of reflect that basically. And playing devil's advocate for a second, there might be, um, you know, there's been this conveyance and logjam like we referenced before, the market's been absolutely booming because you've got this perfect storm of the work being stuck in with the lenders and with searches and conveyances, but then more work's coming in. Um, so a lot of people have either been frantically growing and taking advantage of the opportunity or, you know, across various sectors, they've almost been shutting the doors potentially. So, you know, going into 2021, um, ahead of the 31st of March, a lot of people will be saying, ah, well, that's something that I might look at in the future. I don't need that now. Why should I consider giving away time or money or whatever, looking to um, either expand what I'm already doing online or take that leap? Because do you know what? I know I should probably do that, but I don't. So what would your response be in terms of why people should potentially take action now and, and, and maybe put that a bit higher up the priority list? It's that old expression, isn't it? Make hay while the sun shines. You know, the the time to to focus on your marketing is actually when you're busy. Um, partly because you know when you're busy is when you've perhaps you've probably got a bit of spare money to invest in your marketing. If you wait until things have gone quiet, you're either not going to have any money to invest in marketing, or if you have, you're going to be frightened to use it for that because you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs with no clients coming through the door. Um, it's again, it's about avoiding that kind of feast and famine cycle that we referenced earlier on. Um, what I'm trying to do is, is help brokers create consistency. So they've always got that pipeline of people. So yeah, you might be really busy now. What you, what you should be doing now is doing the marketing that will create the clients you'll be talking to in six months from now. Um, because as I said before, people don't these days always just want to come straight onto a website and make an inquiry. They need to be nurtured first of all. You know, I know, for example, in my own business, that next week I will talk to probably two or three um, mortgage brokers who are, you know, good quality inquiries who potentially want to work with me. I can't tell you yet who they will be, but I know they will be people who probably first came to my website three to six months ago and have downloaded some free resources, have joined my email list, have been getting stuff from me since then. And something that I send them in an email next week will make them think, yeah, I need to take action. I need to, I need to talk to David now. And it's the same with brokers. You should be doing stuff now to create that pipeline of people who in three to six months will get one of your emails or, you know, see one of your YouTube videos or whatever it is and think, yeah, I really must sort that remortgage or, you know what, I am fed up with living in this house. It's time that we moved. I need to start talking to a broker. And at that point, you don't want them going off and searching on Google. You want them coming to you because they've already got to know you through the nurturing that you've, that you've been doing. So yeah, it is busy at the moment, but we know that, that is an artificial you know, demand that's been created by things like the stamp duty holiday and whatever. That will end. Um, and when it does, you want to be the broker who's already got a pipeline of people waiting to speak to them rather than the broker who suddenly goes from being really busy to nothing overnight because you'll be massively on the back foot then. 
And where have you got anything new and exciting you're releasing, or anything you've just recently released in the business? You know, where where would you like to see, um, you know, your business life, if you like, go in twenty twenty one? Well, my newest thing is that is that membership program I mentioned just now. So this is where mortgage brokers can can join my program. They pay a low monthly subscription. And they get in return for that um, a group coaching call with me and other brokers every fortnight um, where we cover all aspects of, you know, what they're working on in their digital marketing and look at different challenges. And, um, and they get advice, not just from me, obviously, but from other members of the group. And that's quite nice because obviously I can bring the digital marketing expertise to it, but other members of the group can bring the financial services expertise. So like in the call we had this week, um, you know, we we had quite an in-depth discussion about, you know, how to market equity release and stuff like that. And I was coming at it from the point of view of, you know, this is the nuts and bolts of how you would advertise it on Google. But then other brokers were talking about the different kinds of people who need equity release and the different reasons behind it and how you tap into those to get your marketing message right. Um, they get a whole library of online training courses. They get a support forum where they can ask questions of me and other members. And, they, and if they want one-to-one -one training with me, they get discounted rates on that so i only launched that at the beginning of november um that's going really well so far uh, it's actually it's got far more people in it already than i was targeting so my my big push for 2021 i want to carry on working one-to-one -one with a small number of clients all the time but i really want to push the the membership program and basically get what i'm doing out there to a larger number of people because i think it's i think it's useful for all mortgage brokers but i can't work with them all one-to-one -one. so this is my <laughs> this is my way of, of scaling it basically well, th thank you so much, David. I would fully endorse that, and and that's well, it. It's, for this it's called the uh, it's called the Predictable Pipeline Program, by the way. And the Predictable Pipeline Program uh, PPC machine. You can find out a lot more about that across our social media channels and on our website, where there'll be tons of information about David and the services. Um, that's it for this week, everyone. Thank you, David. Uh, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks thank for having me on. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, everyone. So if you're listening on a podcast, please hit us up with a five star review on Apple. Please share and spread the word about the MLC show uh, for property professionals. Check out the products and services at the mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk. And more importantly, please stay well and take care.